Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Uh, we have uh, this morning, uh, going, we're going to talk about surprises. Some people don't like surprises. Uh, I love surprises. And I love that video. Did you, you notice that that guy, everybody he came in, in contact with spoke to him in his language, in sign language. And it must have been just blowing his mind. How did everybody know? And did you notice it took him a month to set that up? I believe that we serve a God of surprises. And God has begun years in advance to set up surprises for us. Anybody here ha- have a surprise this last week? Anybody have a surprise this? Nobody? Did you, you had a surprise? I, I, I had a surprise this week. Um, got on uh, Route 20 on Friday, and it was snowing. That wasn't the surprise. Uh, the surprise was that my windshield wipers didn't work so well. And I got to a point where I couldn't see, but the good news was I was right near Walmart. So I pull into Walmart, up over the curb and into the parking lot, because I couldn't see a thing. I cleaned off the windshield wiper, got it all cleaned off, and something said to me, when you go out, go to the stoplight. And I thought, well, if I go to the stoplight, then I, I won't have to worry about traffic running into me when I pull out on Route 20. I got out onto Route 20 and my windshield wiper flew right off. (laughs) But because I went out that exit, the entrance to Walmart was all of 100 yards down the road. And so I'm looking out this passenger side window and I was able to get back to Walmart. And I went and bought a windshield wiper. I'm thinking, oh, this is so good. And I get out there and it's snowing to beat all. I don't have hat or gloves. And I'm trying to get the old windshield wiper off. And I broke the clip and I couldn't get the stinking thing off. And I didn't have a screwdriver. So back into Walmart I go. And I'm upset. I call my wife. I say, I don't know what to do. I got to buy a hat, gloves, uh, uh, you know, uh, at least some chocolate <laughs> and a screwdriver to fix this problem. She said, why don't you just go over to the service department? Have them put it on for you. I said, I know I love you. (laughs) I said, that's a terrific idea. So I go buy two new windshield wipers, and the guy helps me pick them out. And he says, well, why don't you just pull the car around, (laughs) and we'll put them on for you. Okay. So I go out, clean off the car again, the 10 feet of snow that happened in between. It's a little exaggeration. And was able to drive around, he put them on for me. You know, how many times have I thanked God for Walmart? <laughs> and I wondered how, how long in advance God planned this little surprise for me so that I could remember that He watches over me. I got home fine. You know, it's amazing how easy it is to drive when you can actually see. It makes a big difference. In this morning's passage, something really Amazing and surprising happens. We're looking at Matthew chapter 2, the first 12 verses. And it's a story that's familiar to you, I am sure. It's part of what we usually include in the Christmas story. And so listen carefully as we read together. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come 
to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will, shepherd the, or who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, They return to their country by another route. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. For all the blessings that you have shared with us. And we have seen them this last week in some powerful ways. And yet, Lord, there are those whose hearts are still breaking. And we pray, Father, that you would surround them with your peace and with your love. And with your healing presence. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for a chance to sit around and and share together in your word. And we pray this morning that you would speak to us, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would hear your voice, and that, Lord, we wouldn't just hear, but we would respond as you call us. And, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy except by your incredible grace. So we pray, Father, that you would come and that you would speak, that we would respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I understand that uh, Pastor Dan took you through an hour and a half service last week, so I figure um, we can we can take our time this morning. (laughs) Kenny wants to know if we take our time every service. No, Kenny. Once in a while. Hey, if you were here Christmas Day, you may remember we were done early. And celebrated together. That was so much fun. Thank you for coming and being a part of that. This morning is Epiphany Sunday. Epiphany Sunday. I know you all knew that, so I wasn't going to ask you if you knew that. Now, Epiphany, of course, is that new understanding that it's not that something new happened. It's that you have a new understanding. It's like it's the aha moment. And I believe that frequently those moments come as a surprise. Oh, yeah. I, I can't believe it. That's right. I, I, I've, I didn't even think of that. Um, and we uh, in our household have uh, begun to play a game on our phones. And it's called Word Brain. Um, and <clears throat> the way you play this game is uh, <clears throat> the letters have to be connected somehow. And, and you try to figure out what the letters spell. And you'll notice below there are little boxes to tell you how many letters are in each word. And so y- you play this game. And what's amazing about this game, and, and go ahead, keep looking. Maybe you'll figure out what the letters are, um, but maybe not. Um, anyway, as you play the game, what happens is uh, sometimes you'll get to a puzzle and you'll look at it and you'll look at it and you'll look at it. You see, this is one of those games that, um, you know, fills your time. Uh, 
And, and you look at it and you look and you're like, oh man, I can't figure it out, can't figure it out, can't figure it out, can't figure it out. And you'll set it down and you'll come back to it and same thing. Can't figure it out, can't figure it out. And then one day you happen to go to that app and you're looking at those those letters, and all of the sudden, boom, there they are. And it just all comes together and you're done. Now, sometimes when you look at the game, you see them immediately. Oh, I see those words, yeah. But a lot of times, and then all of a sudden, boom, there it was. Now, those letters were always there, and they were always in the same order, and they were always there for you to see and to know. The problem is you had to see them and put them in the right order to really see them. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so you've all been looking at it. What are the words? (laughs) Okay, all right. See, now this is the problem, right? You see more than one word that could actually fit in those, right? So, so you don't know. Well, uh, Nathan, Nathan saw the word love, and love is certainly the four-letter word. Uh, Ike saw it? Who saw it? Zach. Zach. What did I say, Nate? I'm sorry, Zach. Wrong family, right, right child. I'm in big trouble now. <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, love is in there. Um, what was the other word? Surprise, surprise is in there, yeah. So if you take love and surprise out, what do you have? Reveal. Actually, it's revealed. So revealed love is the surprise. So it, now, if, if you were to be doing the game, you'd, you'd put it all together. Can you see surprise? Can everybody see surprise? It's spelled S-U-R-P-R-I-S-E. And, and I, I only know that because it took me all week to get it right on my paper. <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, old, old dog can learn new tricks. So, uh, surprise. And, and when you can see it, there it is. Okay? Now, if I were to turn it off and turn it back on, you'd see it right away. Oh, yeah, there's surprise. I see it. But you may not have seen it right away. That is what epiphany does. Epiphany brings frequently something that's already been there to light. It gives you a new understanding. So this morning, uh, God does something really incredible uh, in our passage that is a great epiphany. And I want to I challenge you on a few things first. So I just want you to be clear about something. You notice up front, um, they put the Christmas stuff away for today, which was nice, thank you. Um, but uh, I left the nativity, and I was glad that the cloth was out, and I put the nativity back out with only the three wise men. And I did that because we frequently put them there. But if you know the story and read the story carefully, you realize they probably don't belong there. Now, there's a lot of reasons they don't belong there from a theological point of view, but there's a good reason from a a logistical uh, reason. And that's because when you read the book of Matthew, you find out that they go to a house. Did you catch that? They don't go to a manger. They go to a house. So, so most likely, Mary and Joseph have now moved from the manger, which happened that night. And my guess is Mary wasn't real interested in hanging out in the barn for the next three weeks. Uh, it, most likely, she was interested in getting into a place. And most likely, Joseph had found a place, and they had found a place to stay. And so when the wise men show up, they happen to go to a house. Now, you'll also notice that we have, uh, per our manger, we have one, two, three wise men. But the scripture never says that there are three. Why do we have three? 
There are three gifts, right? So it makes it nice. Well, one brings frankincense, one brings myrrh, and one brings gold. And, and so it fits real well. But the scripture doesn't tell us that there were three. There might have been 30. There might have been two. We know there was more than one because they're magi, which is plural. So there's more than one, so there's at least two. It could be up to who knows how many. Uh, enough to make a stir in Jerusalem when they showed up. So we, we come to the manger, and we, we have this weird thing that's going on. These uh, men have followed a star. And we, we always say that the star appeared in the east. And as you read uh, this morning, you would have said, oh, yeah, that's exactly what it says. We have seen his star in the east. But if you'll notice, there's a footnote there. Because more accurately, they say, we have seen his star rising. Now, of course, uh, most people look at that and say, well, if it's going to rise, they're probably going to see it in the east first. Well, not necessarily. But they've seen his star rising. There was something about this star that caught their attention. This star was different, and it has brought them to Bethlehem. And they have followed this star. This star is moving. It's not a star that just sits there uh, in our backyard in the summer. We love to sit out and look at the stars. And the neatest thing about the stars is every once in a while, there's one that's moving across the sky. It's really amazing. And I always think, that must be the one. And then it flashes red. No, that's not not the one. Uh, But I can't imagine what it was like for these wise men who had had spent time looking in the heavens to see a new star and to begin to follow it and watch that star actually move and lead them. It's an incredible moment in their lives. Now, the last thing I want to note is that we frequently call them the three kings. Uh, why do we call them kings? Because they had gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They obviously had, they were well-to-do. Uh, we, we call them kings. I, I believe the real reason we call them kings is because we don't want them to be magi. It's a lot easier to think of them as kings as opposed to magi. You see, magi were not the type of people you would expect to be looking for God and finding him. And frequently when we don't like what the scripture says, we find a way to reinterpret it to make it more comfortable for us. This morning I hope you're uncomfortable. You see these guys who show up, they're they're not good Jewish folk. These guys who show up, they're, they're not the kind of people that you would expect to be really seeking God, but that's exactly who they are. And it's one of God's biggest surprises for us and for them. So this morning we're talking about uh, surprise, God's surprise. And God's surprises are neat because God's surprises are different than human surprises. First of all, God's surprises takes people that you wouldn't expect and brings them into his story so that they can see who he really is. And, and these magi were Persian. In other words, they came from India, and they were magicians. As a matter of fact, the word magi is, is where we get our word magician. Now, that's not the type of person you would expect to be in God's story, is it? 
They, they were uh, seeking uh, this God, and their religion was Zoro- Zoroastrianism. And I have a hard time saying that. Uh, it's, it's a strange religion that looks to the stars. They, they have all their astrology going on, trying to figure out what God is doing based on the stars. So they're looking to the heavens, trying to figure out what God is doing. And in the midst of that, in their religion, there has been a prophecy that you ready for this that a king would be born by a virgin now isn't that interesting and these magi are looking to the heavens reading their uh, prophecies and they see this star and it's different and they believe that this star is going to lead them to this king who is born of a virgin. You with me? Now isn't that weird? Now we'd be okay if these people were Christian and happened to open their Bible and saw that Micah said the child was to be born. That's good. And they went to Bethlehem. Or, or we would be okay if, if they were looking in their scriptures and, and they realized that God was going to do something new and exciting through the birth of a Messiah a, a, who is to be born of a virgin. And they went and they found the Christ child. We would say, that's wonderful. But here are people who have no connection to the word of God, have no connection to who God is, Really? And yet, within their hearts, they are seeking God. And God begins to reveal God's self to them. Even through their their religion, he begins to draw them to himself. Now, be very careful, right? We're walking a fine line. I want you to think of this. Now, even the psalmist said, Listen carefully. Even the psalmist said, the heavens proclaim the, declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of His hands. Yes, even the psalmist in the heavens saw God. And you can see God in all kinds of places and in all kinds of things. And you can see and find part of the truth in all kinds of places and in all kinds of religion. I, when the kids were real little, um, Barb was at work. We were both working crazy hours, and and it was my job that night to make supper. And so, I decided we'd have pancakes. How hard can pancakes be? So I went through the recipe and made the pancakes, and and I served them to the kids, and they kept saying, "These are horrible." Shut up, kid. Just eat them. So they got fed, they went off, got them all taken care of, and I sat down, and I thought, well, I'm going to have some pancakes. I took one bite. These were horrible pancakes. So I went back to the recipe. Did you know that there's a difference between baking soda and baking powder? Right, one makes things taste really good, and one, thing's, one makes things really nasty. Okay. I had the rest of the recipe right. I got the one piece wrong that made it disgusting. I think it's amazing that we have a God who has placed truth in, I would say, every religion. Doesn't make every religion true. He's placed truth in every religion. And if people are truly seeking God, they will find their way to the true God 
and to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, just like the Magi did. The problem is, if you try to take the whole of religion, what you end up with is a nasty-tasting wrong direction. If I were to give you directions to the church, and I gave you every direction correct except for one, would you make it to the church? Probably not. Unless you decided to turn to something that you knew would be true. And when you found that truth, then you would find your... And once you get to the church, you'd find your way to it. Now, there are some people today who say, see, there are many paths to God. So you can take any religion and find your way to God. And you may think that's what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Because you see, what Satan does is he takes that truth and he twists it. And if you take just that little piece of truth and you add the rest of this religion onto it, you're not going to find your way to God. But if you open yourself up to the revelation of God, to the epiphany of God, to the fact that God's at work and begin to seek Him with all your heart, you will find Him. And you know where you find Him? You find Him in the most unlikely places like a manger in Bethlehem. But it's not by coincidence and it's not by uh, uh, a chance. It's because God had put Himself in a place where you could see Him so that you could experience Him, so that you could have a relationship with Him. I've watched people take those baby steps to find their way to God. I got a, I got a good friend. I'm still praying for him. I don't know that he's found all his way yet. When I met him, he was an atheist or at least an agnostic. And I, I, I've prayed for him for years. Uh, a neat guy uh, has his PhD, one of the smartest men I, I know. Um, and the last time I talked to him, he had finally made his way to church. I said, you're going to church? That's great. What church are you going to? He said, Universalist. Ugh. I said, well, you're in church. He says, yeah, I'm teaching Sunday school. I said, don't tell me what you're teaching. I don't want to know. <laughs> Uh, uh, but but he had made he had made that step. He was seeking God, and although I don't think he's going to find God really in the Universalist Church, he will find the next step to get back to where God really is. If he keeps seeking with all his heart, sometimes we get frustrated with friends and neighbors who we've been sharing the love of God with and trying to share with them who Christ is, and, and they don't seem to see it. Look within their lives and begin to show them, help them see, try to help them see. It's like that game. If you could show them where that word is, they would say, oh, there's that word. Instead of looking at them and condemning them, look at them and say, hey, look what God has just done. Seek Him. Come seek Him with me. Come to worship. Maybe we could find Him here. And let me say this, too, because I believe uh, the fullness of God is found in Jesus Christ, right? So when you begin to seek God, you begin to seek, set out on a journey that will lead you, if you follow it all the way, it will lead you to Christ because he is the fullness. Colossians says, for in Christ, the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. We look at the Magi, and I, I watch, and I listen to the Scripture, and it amazes me how these foreigners of a foreign religion come and find their way to Jesus Christ, and when they find Him, they are changed. Did you notice that? How do I know they're changed? Because the Scripture says that they bowed down, and they worshipped Him. 
And they offered to him these incredible gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. And they asked him to receive their gifts. And the neat thing is when you ask Jesus to receive your gift, he offers you himself. A relationship. Not a religion. A relationship that will change you. I hope you hear that the truth of God is in Jesus Christ. The fullness of God is in Jesus Christ. There are pieces God, I believe, has embedded in other places so that we can see Him and be drawn to Him and be led to Him. As a matter of fact, you may be that piece in somebody else's life. And it would be awesome if you had the opportunity to be that truth that they could see who Jesus is really is in you. So uh, Jesus brings, uh, God brings this new understanding to the Magi. What a surprise for them and for those who believed, who said they believed in the King, in the Messiah. You see, there's something crazy about this story. The Magi are there, but the people of God aren't there. Did you notice that? The, the kings are there, but the, where, where are the people of God? Doing what they always did, Kenny. They stopped looking. They already knew. They, they, they were invited to the surprise party, but they didn't want to be surprised. Uh, they, they said things like, I already know. I've already heard all that. Yeah, I don't need, I don't need to go to church anymore because, you know, uh, they do the same thing every week and I don't get anything out of it anyway. And I just, I, you know, so I might as well just stay home. I can commune with God in bed. Have you ever heard that? We call them bedside Baptists. I can, I can commune with God in bed. You know what the problem with that is? Imagine the Magi saying, wow, you know what? I can see the star from my bed. It's right there. I'm just going to watch it. Hey, it's moving. Getting harder to see. Grab that, that uh, telescope. Let me look. For it. Yeah, I still see it. It's still there. They, they would have missed the surprise. And unfortunately, many of us miss what God is doing in our lives because we stop looking. And it's not that we stop looking for, for a year. We stop looking for that day. Do you every day look for God? Because I can guarantee you, every day God is moving in your life in some way. And too often we miss it. We totally miss it. God has a surprise party for us and we miss it. Why? Because we stopped looking. We were too busy doing our own thing. We were too busy. uh, Maybe we were just too afraid that God would call us to something we're not so sure we're ready for. And sometimes we stop looking because we stop seeing. And so we stop and we wait. We say, well, I'm going to stop looking because God is just not showing himself to me anymore. I'm going to stop reading God's word. I'm going to stop going to church. I'm going to stop the whole thing because I just don't see God in my life anymore. I think God has given up on me. And I'm reminded of the psalmist who said something similar. My eyes fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? God, where are you? I don't see you. 
And if you stop looking, you'll miss the surprise. One of the neatest things about surprises is they often come towards the end. Did you ever notice that? On Facebook, they have all those videos. It says, make sure you watch to the end. And so you watch and you watch. And I usually about halfway through get bored with it and say, forget looking at the end. I'm tired of this. And I miss the surprise, which usually isn't a big deal on Facebook. But with God, it's horrible because God has something special. Can you imagine God putting all this together so that he can surprise you and then you get halfway through and you decide you're going to... Can you imagine the wise men? They're probably two years out. Two years out. God shows them the star and they start to follow it. Why do I say two years? Well, I say two years because when Herod asked them the time that the star appeared, he wants to know because he's going to kill every baby to try to destroy the Messiah, this king. And when he does that, he kills all of them two years old and younger. You start putting the pieces together and you start saying, probably for two years they've been following this star. Can you imagine? And you get tired after two days. What if they had said after a year out, well, that star just keeps moving. We can't catch up to the thing. God, if you want to show us something, show us something. I'm done with this. And decided to turn around and go home. And it couldn't have been easy, folks. It wasn't like, you know, you hop in your, you know, your jet liner and go across the desert there. They had to go through the desert. They had to make tents every night. They had to set up, take down. They had to do all of that stuff. It wasn't an easy journey. But in the end, they got to see the baby who was the Messiah. And he changed them. Don't give up. If you don't see God in this moment, keep looking. (coughs) And be waiting for him to show himself. Because you see, I don't want you to miss the surprise. Lastly, I want you to see there are some people who ruin surprises. Have you noticed that? You know, uh, sorry your surprise birthday party was ruined when I just now told you about it. (laughs) Oops. Uh, Sometimes people like to ruin surprises. They just like to, to... to destroy whatever could bring joy to your life or to somebody else's life. Do you know people like that? Uh, Those are hard people to be around, aren't they? Uh, Herod was a person like that. You see, Herod didn't want the Messiah uh, to be born because, or to survive, because the Messiah was a king and Herod thought he was king and he wanted to be in control. Herod was one of those great guys. That's why they called him Herod the Great. He was like uh, Sun Jung-un. Is that how you say his name? In, uh, Kim Jong-un. Okay, Kim Jong-un in uh, North Korea. Um, you know, he, he's constantly killing family members for fear that they're going to try to overthrow him. That's the way Herod was. Herod killed a number of sons, a couple wives, even a couple daughters just for good measure. He was scared to death that someone would take the throne. He was really paranoid. And he spent his time being afraid that someone would take control, take control out of his hands so that he could not be in control of everything that happened in his life. And in so doing, he found himself more and more and more out of control. And he missed the surprise that God had for him because God, see, brought the Messiah into his... Can you imagine if he had brought Jesus into the palace and said, Jesus, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. I give my life to you. He wouldn't had to have been afraid of someone coming up and taking his throne from him. We find ourselves in the same position, don't we? One of the reasons I think that that surprises from God go 
missed or go are lost is because we ruin the surprise. Because we're afraid of losing control. I, I'm high on control. High, Barb did a test and measures in seminary one time, and she used me as her guinea pig. And uh, scale one to ten, I think I was a fifteen. <sighs> I, I want to be in control. I, you know, Sunday morning is you know one of those things you can't control everything, but I'm going to control all I can. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to learn that you're not in control. Things are going to happen. This is why we get so off course sometimes. Things happen in our lives that we have absolutely no control over. And we throw up our hands and it's like, what am I going to do? I'm, I, I, I can't do anything about this. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ... If he is your Lord, then you can step back and say, I may not be able to do anything about this, but I have a Savior who's in control, and I can trust him. And things will begin to happen that you least expect, and you will find peace. John put it this way, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives. I love this passage. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I believe that control is the over, uh, maybe it's just because that's my thing, but I really believe that control for many of us is what keeps us from experiencing the peace of God because we've forgotten that we're not in control. That there is a God who watches over us who's put it all together, just like those people did for that guy who was hearing impaired. For a month, they put it all together. God, for years, has put it all together. Just as last Friday, in the midst of that snowstorm, as I am panicked because I can't control what's happening, God is sitting up there, and I bet you he had a smile on his face as he, as he directed my little car in that deep snow and made sure I got back to Walmart so I could actually see. I, I see God just smiling and and. and and kind of uh, trying to remind us, it's going to be okay. I am in control. Put your trust in me. Look for me. Follow me. And you'll find that I have the greatest surprise for you. And the greatest surprise is that he unconditionally loves you and me. And that's an incredible surprise. Why would he? We sang, who am I? Uh, and, and that song just hit me again. Who am I that God would care about me? And yet he catches me when I'm falling. He picks me up when I'm down. He, he walks with me. He guides me. He directs me. He shows me himself over and over and over again. Surprises me more times than I can imagine. He loves me that much. And he loves you that much too. As a matter of fact, he loves you so much that he wanted you to be with him forever. He wanted to have you wake up someday in his house, you see, where he could surprise you every morning and every evening, where, where, you, where you walk in to his house and you see, you, you meet people that, that you've known years and years ago and you're like, wow, you're here? You've got to be kidding me. And they look at you and say, you're here? <laughs> and you say, yeah. 
And then they say, hey, and do you remember so-and-so? She's here too. <laughs> and they start, you start to celebrate what God has done. And that celebration goes on over and over and over. And you see these guys who found Jesus through the strangest way but are there now to celebrate every day the surprise. And Jesus made that happen for you and for me by giving his life for us. And he wants you to be at his house. But that choice is up to you. See, there was a bigger surprise than the birth. You see, one day, they put his body in a tomb. And they put a a stone in front of it, and everybody thought that was the end. And these ladies went to the tomb on Sunday morning early. And they didn't know how they were going to roll the stone away, but they really wanted to prepare Jesus' body for burial so that it would be properly prepared. It had been done in haste, and they wanted, they wanted the best for him. And when they got there, can you imagine? The stone was rolled away, and Jesus was alive. That's the biggest surprise in all of history. And Jesus wants the same surprise for you. This last year, we've faced a lot of struggles. And we walked a long time with brothers and sisters whose hearts were broken, and our hearts were broken as friends and family members had died. And those who had looked for God, when they took that last breath, stepped into the house of the Almighty God and experienced the fullness of His surprise. And someday, we'll see them again if we seek Him with our hearts and put our faith in Him. Where do you stand with Jesus this morning? Oh, I know, you come to church pretty much every Sunday. That's good, I'm glad you come. But if you come to fill some religious promise or, or, or some uh, ritual that you hope somehow will get you to heaven, I've got to be honest with you right now, you will not make it to heaven just following some ritual, coming to church. You can read your Bible every day. It's great. You can read your Bible every day. But that won't get you to heaven. You see, that's like looking at the puzzle and not being able to figure it out. But if you're really seeking God, all of a sudden when you read His Word, it begins to make sense. And when you come to church, you begin to experience Him. And then your life really begins to change. And God will lead you right to Jesus. And if you put your trust in Him, he'll prom- He promises to take you to His house forever. But you've got to submit, let go, and follow Him. Why don't you do that this morning? Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for being in the lives of these magi in ways that they did not probably expect and I'm sure was a surprise for them. Thank you for being in our lives and surprising us. Lord, someone may be surprised this morning that as they listened, they heard you speak to their hearts. Father, we pray this morning that as you have spoken, 
that we would not miss the surprise, but that we would begin to be a part of that, that we would respond, that we would see the fullness of that surprise in you, in our lives. Father, we pray for those this morning who have never said yes to you, never said they want to follow you. They, they may be here this morning having sought, sought you and they're looking for you. Lord Jesus, may they see you this morning in, in, in the others who are here, but mostly in your presence in their lives. That they might begin to follow you and find the assurance of eternal life. Lord Jesus, we pray for those who have wandered astray. We pray this morning that you'd lead us back. Help us, Father, to seek you every day, that we would not miss what you have for us. And may we be willing to share that with everyone we meet. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.